Hello, Crow here. You are about to listen to the 50th episode of the Bread and Circuses podcast. And if you listen to episode 49, you'll recall that Rooster challenged our listeners to help us celebrate this momentous achievement by getting us to 50 likes on our Facebook page. In return, we would post a video of us attempting to eat surstroming, which is a putrid fermented fish from Sweden. So thanks to all the listeners who want to see us get sick, that goal was reached and the surstroming has been ordered. Once it arrives, we'll film our attempts to choke it down and post a link to it on our Facebook page. So keep an eye out for that in the next couple of weeks. And thank you for listening and liking. Now on to episode 50. Welcome to the Bread and Circuses podcast brought to you by Digital Pizza, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy this shit show. So here we are with episode 50. Did you ever think we were going to get here? I'm feeling that midlife crisis as we speak. <laughs> the big 5-0. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, that's Rooster. This is, and I'm Crow, by the way. He, he's he's uh, neglecting his duties. Oh, I have duties now? You have duties. That's your what duties. I, what do I work for you? Is that how this works? <laughs> Am I your bitch? Am I here to do your bidding? Welcome, everyone. To <laughs> is that how this Red is? Circuses with Rooster and Crow. That's that's how it goes. I see how it see is. See how easy it is? Yeah, sure. I get it. You had one job. <laughs> <laughs> one job. You had one job. So right. no, I'm out of I'm out of practice between uh the whole Skyping thing and everything. You had to do the yeah. intro for that. Yeah, so the last couple episodes were no not last couple, but the two two prior to the last one were were Skype calls, which was it worked out pretty good. I would I would do it again in a pinch, but yeah, we don't want to make a habit of it. I mostly wind up talking over you then. A little bit. Yeah, I get even more annoying. All right, we gotta we gotta talk about. Uh, I think the Project Veritas deboosting. Yeah, that's a pretty. Big that was story. a Tim Pool thing, wasn't it? Didn't he? Didn't he, well, I saw mm. his article on it. Or his. There's a video. lot of people talking about it, um, and uh, there's. I mean, all the the main. Um, but like Glenn Beck and all the big big names on the right are talking about it. So Hannity. So, so Project Hannity. Veritas is uh, it's uh, James O'Keefe is the founder of it, and he's kind of a uh, investigative journalist. Now. He does sort of undercover hidden video stuff. Yeah, like the mainstream media used to do back in the day. That they're too lazy to do now. They had one job. Yeah. Well, they're not. It's they're too lazy, and I mean that's part of it, and and part of it is they don't want to expose. Things that really need to be exposed, which because they they agree with a lot of the bullshit that's happening. So, uh, and they they can't make make up fake bullshit like uh like our friend Jesse Smollett <laughs> with his fake hate crimes. So, that listen listen that thirty five hundred dollars was for personal training and a nutrition plan. It said right on the check. Oh, he wrote it right on there. Okay. So, all right, not for weird sex or anything, just. You can't you can't hate on a black man like that. No, but he should have at least said that. That would have been more believable. <laughs> Sandwiches. That's what. Eiffel Eiffel Towering is what I thought. Uh, if you don't know what that is, don't look mm-hmm. it up. Right. If you do know what it is, blame Crow. <laughs> so this uh, they talked to a former Facebook employee 
who was in charge of what writing a line of code in on live streams ahead of time to take the the live streams down. Yeah, so the headline from Project Veritas itself is Facebook Insider Leaks Docs and explains uh, deboosting, a troll report, and political targeting in the video interview. So they take this person that worked in Facebook and talk about what they're doing to stifle and um, kind of underhandedly limit the exposure of people that are right, right of center. And that person's job was as a content uh, content reviewer. Yeah. So she, like she a lot of what she's talking eyeballs about. Eyeballs on a lot of the stuff. Right. What she's talking about is it's not like she was some Facebook employee. She wasn't a janitor somewhere and she heard about this. This was her job. This yeah. is what she did. Yep. And she's come out and said, this is what they're doing. And she lost her job because she she did this too. So Because they found out that she was in contact with James O'Keefe. Really? And so, yeah, it says, Insider, formerly responsible for content review in Facebook's intellectual property department, speaks out, loses job. Facebook engineers plan to, quote, demote bad content. Conservative Facebook page live streams secretly de-boosted. No notice on page owners. So pay, so uh, conservatives that have Facebook pages that put out um, live streams, um, which they go, hey, everybody at such and such time, I'm going to put up a live stream. I'm going live. I'm going to talk about whatever. And you guys can join in or, you know, watch and, and comment. Um, and so they'll put these live streams out. Thousands of people in some cases, you know, tens of thousands of people's, people watch. And then um, little to the, to the person, does the person know, um, the page owner, know that they're being de-boosted is what the term that Facebook actually came up with and it's code. Um, and not a code word, but code written like computer code that's written to actually um, deplatform the person without them knowing. Well, and Joe Pags, the radio conservative radio host, He's, was talking about this. He knows it's been going on for a while now, and he just couldn't he couldn't prove it. But he goes, "I've got all the metrics, I've got all the statistics on what I've been doing, and I've been, it's been obvious that something's going on here." Yeah, he has three hundred and seventy thousand followers on yeah. Facebook or something. And he said he would do his live streams and he would get, you know, a thousand people viewing a live stream. And then all of a sudden it would drop down to like 25 the next week. And people are messaging him on his website saying, what happened to your Facebook show? Yeah. He goes, it's there. I put it out there. And he said, you can go, I wasn't aware of this, that you can go like Facebook slash and then whatever it is you want to go to. Mm -hmm. So they don't hide it that way. Yeah, but directly. It it's not just if you go directly, it's there. But if you if you if they deboost this stuff, it's not in your stream. So there's more kind of bullet points on this. Uh, so, uh, f so Facebook can classify users as trolls based on their vocabulary, then punish them by limiting bandwidth and blocking comments. And we talked about this in the prior episode about what troll means. It used to mean a very specific thing. And now trolls is anybody on the right that makes fun of the left or or uh, critiques the left. I um, thought it was you lived under a bridge and harassed goats. Yeah. Facebook engineer, quote, hateful content is coming from right-leaning sites. That's from within. That's from the one of the main engineers. Um, special features are triggered leading up to important elections. That's another thing that they talk that they talk about that that they are. They are actually trying, and we know this. We've, I mean, it's not, it doesn't come as a surprise to anybody on the right that this is happening, but to get kind of verified proof from within, like kind of a whistleblower blower is a little bit more substantial. I mean, we knew it, but now there's, there's even more proof. 
um, that, and then leading up to special election or to important elections, that means they are absolutely trying to influence elections. And, um, there's gotta be something, I don't know, I don't know if legal about it, but there's, it's very underhanded and it's, uh, it, it, something needs to be done about it. If you, if you, if you have that kind of power and you're damn near a monopoly in the social media, in this sphere, in this tech bubble, um, the way, the way things are going, you've got that kind of power and influence. It, it's, it, it doesn't lend to a free and open debate. It doesn't, it, it's basically, it's basically, you've got the, the haves keeping the have nots from being part of it. Well, and, you know, we've disagreed on this in the past, and I I still feel a little bit like it's their site. They can do what they want, you know, and it's shitty and it's underhanded, but it's just like they can fire this employee because they don't like what she does. However, uh, when I was listening to Joe Pags, he brought up a point I hadn't considered before. Bait and switch. Yeah. Yep. this It's not really changed my mind, but it does make me say, yeah, that's a pretty good point. And the idea is... Facebook goes to people like him, and he mentioned Steven Crowder, too, and says, hey, come put your stuff on our page, you know, on on Facebook, and, you know, bring your people over. So people leave Joe Pag's website. I mean, they, they still follow him there, but they come on over. Because it's easier. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's aggregated that way. And so Facebook benefits from that, and then they shut down his stuff without telling him or without telling the people that liked him. Yeah. But I hate to pat myself on the back, but I brought this up quite a while ago in the podcast. Something I didn't call it bait and switch, but I brought up the same sentiment. I said, this is the problem I'm having is is Facebook and all these social media platforms invited people on with a false promise, a false premise that this is an open space for people to discuss whatever they want politically and all that. It's a it's a it's a forum for um for the public square, basically like a digital public square. That's the promise of what a lot of this was. And they enticed people in and people came in and people made money for them doing this. Right. And they built up, built up the product. They built up Facebook. They built up YouTube. They built up um, Twitter and all the snap, everything. They built it up. And then once they got to a level, they were like, Hey, we're, you know, we're big, we're big shit. Then they go now, fuck you. Which, I'm fine if they decide they want to do that. It's their page, but they're not enforcing it uh, across the board. So you've got you've got other people on there who say, "Let's go punch Nazis," and they're like, "Yeah, that's good." But if you have people that they decide are Nazis, they just kick them off. See that? But that's not the argument I even care about. The because I think that that the argument is not that it's applied discriminately. That's not the argument that I'm worried about. I'm worried about they said it was an, an open forum and a platform, a, a public square platform. And it's not. It isn't that. That's that's the bait and switch. Well, let me give you like an analogy of what I'm trying to get at. So there's a bar that's serving alcohol and, you know, you're going to meet people of like ages and stuff. So back in your 20s and 30s when you were still going to bars and all that. And, you, and they say, come on in. So you go in there, they don't say anything about what can happen if you behave poorly, but they've got these bouncers who can throw you out, right? So uh, you get in sort of a pushing match with some other guy, and they just go, hey, look, you're out. You're out of here. So they take the two of you and walk you outside. Uh, some guy hits on a woman, and she throws a drink in the guy's face, you know, and slaps him. And they don't throw her out. They say, well, he was harassing her, so he has to leave. 
my point is that bar, they can decide who their patrons are. There's, I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is them enforcing it based on a worldview. If she's misbehaved too, she's got to go. She threw the drink. She slapped him. You know, but they'll throw the guy out saying yeah, his I, behavior wasn't. I see. Good. I see what you're saying, but the, the the difference is that this is a different type of business. This, the social media, the the public square, basically aspect of it. They even talked to Zuckerberg about it in in the hearings. That, or was it Zuckerberg or was it the yeah, guy? Yeah, Zuckerberg. But or was it, what's the other guy? The the, the Twitter guy, <clears throat> Jack Dorsey. Okay, Jack. One of those two. They asked them specifically, "Is this a uh, like the new whatever open forum?" He goes, "Yeah, it's a public square. That's what we look at it like. It's the public square." Where well, you get, I mean, they can look at it that way. It doesn't mean it is. But but it is, and, and that's what I'm getting at. It's like okay, this this is this is the equivalent of that at this point. I I, I there's got there has to be some sort of um understanding at this point of how because we're going to get into the deplatforming not only are they deboosting this site all across um the the tech industries the social media and um even the financial industries they are deplatforming people on the right and they're they're making it so that they can't function well we in the society before we even start talking about this we have to separate those two those are two different things deplatforming from like Citibank or Chase or PayPal it, it is or different, anything. but but the uh, my point with the social media. I'm glad you brought me back to that. My point with the social media stuff at this point is that it it is so important politically now that there has to be some safeguards. The safeguards there has to be something in there that makes it so that you cannot discriminate discriminate um, based on politics that aren't violence, that aren't calling for violent threat, that aren't calling for racist this that and the other. That that you you. There's got to be some sort. And I hate to have the government. You know, I'm, an, I'm I'm a minimal government guy, but there is there is collusion. There is a, a, actual uh, monopolies that happen that have to be broken up. See, where I want the government involved is not to ensure. You know, like Sticks Hexenhammer was talking about. Um, you know, make it make it a public utility. I can see the argument for that. I disagree. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that or not. <clears throat> but well, that's kind of where you're headed with this. I, I kind of am, but it's it's it is it does worry me. What I want is that you know, I, being sort of a I hate that people use the word libertarian, but I I really kind of am. You know, let capitalism run and see what happens. But um, I, I so I want the government out of this stuff. I don't want the government to come in and say you have a right to this. What I want is the government to say. We want to let this stuff grow the way it grows and Facebook and uh, Twitter come out and say, here's what we do. Here are our terms of service. If you violate the terms of service, you're out. And they can make those terms of service whatever they want. You know, you can't say this. You can't do that. You can't whatever. But when someone violates them and gets thrown out and someone else does and isn't thrown out for what appear to be just, you know, political bias. Well, whatever. Political bias, emotional bias, or whatever. That's where I want the government to step in and say, no, no, no. You have to, if you're going to give, if you're going to, if you're going to persecute someone for one thing, you can't let another get away with it. It's no longer, it's no longer a a private company. It's an equality issue. Mm. You have to do it that way. That's how I want to see it handled. And also, Joe Pegg's brought up something that people have been talking about before. He brought it up today, but, um, was the aspect of these companies, these social media companies, where it comes to people posting news or posting opinion on politics and all that, um, when they when they stop being just an aggregator 
Um, they just stop being a company that allows people to post on their site. And then they start deciding what is newsworthy and what isn't. And then they get into editorializing. Then that changes the uh, legality of what they're doing or what happens. It, it makes them more responsible and it opens them up to lawsuits when things happen. So if they allow, let's say, Antifa on their, on their page and they don't, they don't ban them. And then they start saying, Hey, we're going to go and we're going to fuck this guy up. Let's go to Tucker's house and kill his dog. And they do. And Facebook did not shut their page down beforehand, knowing full well that that's what they were doing. Then it opens them up saying, you're not just there saying, Hey, we're not, we didn't promote this. This is just no, because you promoted it by demoting other um, political groups. And so what you're doing is you're uh, endorsing this. You are responsible for it. Yeah, but that's sort of an L.A. law, Raymond Burr kind of view of the law. It's rarely that cut and dry. It's like a newspaper. It's a newspaper. So newspapers have responsibility in what they post or in what they in what they report. Right. They they have there there's certain laws that are in play for them when it comes to that kind of stuff. They can't do openly libelous stuff. They can't do you know so right. So but with the with these other sources like Facebook and stuff, it's a kind of a, it, it's a different deal animal because it's so new, the social media aspect of it. Um, cause they don't just do the news. They do cat videos and shit. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But when they start saying, Hey, this content is not appropriate, but this content is, then they start, then they start curating. And that's where there's, that's where you can say, Hey, now you guys have to have a responsibility in this. And that might be a part where they go, well, no, we're opening ourselves up to lawsuits. That might be an, an avenue to go where the government's saying, Hey, there's stipulations here. We're not making a public public utility out of this business, but there's stipulations that you have to abide by. That that might be a way to go. Well, and I think I think there already are, but the point is you should have to abide by your terms of service. So when they say you have been removed for making threatening posts, here's where that that says so in our terms of service, then if that person can say, Well, here's these other people you didn't for posting threatening things either have to take those people off or reinstate the other ones. That's where I'm having a problem with it, is that they're not equally enforcing it based on their own terms of service. And when Jack Dorsey was in front of Congress, he said everyone has a right to social media. So, in effect, he's saying, I can't ban you. In his mind, it's a right. Now, he may say, well, I didn't necessarily mean on my platform, but the question, following question would be, well, then where do they get the right? If you have it and you supply it, but you don't have to give it to them, who does then? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> but, again, I'm of I'm of the mind that uh, I want them to keep doing this stuff. I want AOC and Tlaib and Ilhan Omar to keep talking their shit. I want Jack Dorsey and uh, Mark Zuckerberg to keep pulling this stuff. I want them to keep doing it. Because people are waking up to this stuff. And one of the examples Sticks used when he was talking about this was Tommy Robinson. Yeah. Tommy Robinson has been banned from Facebook for reasons. And if people don't know who he is, we got to quickly, because we haven't talked about him in a long time. Tommy Robinson is a British uh, sort of street reporter. He does his he, own He started stuff. out, he, he actually was a founder of the uh, British Defense League. Yeah, something like and that. And it was a kind of just nationalistic pro um, Britain working class um, organization that was anti-Islam, basically. It, yeah. But it, it got kind of out of control. It got uh, infiltrated a little bit by 
more of the hardcore, you know, um, ethnic, uh, just sort of like, the, I mean, the, like the, the white, um, um, separatist kind of movement. So he, he stepped down from it and said, okay, this is not for me anymore. I'm not part of this anymore. But ever since then, they've been saying, well, he's a white nationalist. He's not, he isn't, he's yeah. not that. Um, he is very highly critical of Islam and the Islam being brought into the UK is devastating the culture, devastating the economy. And he's pointing it out. And rapes and and violent crime are like are not are not getting reported they're being suppressed and he's out there in the street and he's pointing it out and he's making it and he's not stepping down and he's being persecuted by the media over there and by the government and the police i mean he is getting it from every direction he's not backing down he is he's almost a He's like a hero to the working class or the middle class over there. He's like a, almost like a mythical <laughs> creature at this point. Yeah, and they put him in jail. Yeah, and- he, I mean, he, he almost got murdered in jail. Wow, uh, that that might be a bit of a stretch. Uh, no, they he, he got wind of it, so he was able to stop it from happening. But he also, the first time in prison, he almost got murdered. The second time, they put him in solitary confinement across from the – um, his, his, uh, his window, his jail cell window was across from, I guess, the mosque of the prison or whatever. I thought it was the, um, I thought it was the cafeteria or something. No, no, it was, cr- no, the, see, Muslims worked in the cafeteria and they knew Tommy Robinson was there. Okay. So he only ate food that was canned or whatever. He wouldn't eat the stuff because obviously they're either spitting it or where the fuck they're doing or trying to poison him, but they're also throwing shit through his window. So he had to block up his window. That's what he has to go through. Um, and he's, he, he comes back. He's a trooper, man. <laughs> well, so Tommy has on his own site, 3 million followers and sticks. His point was if you block him off Facebook, these 3 million people who follow him on other sites aren't going to just go away, you know? And so if they were following him there, just like Joe Pags was saying, Hey, they follow me on my site, but they follow my live streams when I post them on Facebook. And now they're saying they aren't there. Um, Sticks saying they're going to go to these other alt tech sites, Gab and stuff like that. They're going to go to these other places. Um, these people don't just – and this is the problem that that uh, the tech people have, people who are so steeped in an ideology without really – and just sort of thinking everyone goes along with it, um, is this idea that people are going to disagree with them. And when they disagree with them, they find another way. They don't just go, well, I can't find it, so I guess it's over. Well, and this is something Sticks brought up also is that it's the new Puritanism. It's the satanic panic that was in the 80s. It's just that now, now the SJWs have that version going on, but it's not going to stop people from – like the satanic panic wasn't going to stop people from playing D&D or listening to heavy metal. <laughs> so well, you know, it's not going to stop people, and it, especially since there's nothing wrong with playing D&D or listening to heavy metal music. So it's the same thing right now. These – these these uh, SJW Puritans are trying to stop people from wrong think and trying to shut people down at every corner. And it's getting more and more um, blatant what they're doing. Well, it's just this idea that if – and it's so narcissistic if they say if we just hide it, they don't, they yeah. don't see it. Well, they'll give up. Yeah. Too. If, if we, if we may, and that's another thing that SJW is the, and oh, it's just a pejorative term, SJW. That's what they used to call themselves, social justice warriors. And we made fun of it. And then they tried to take it back. Well, now you're just bullying us and they're calling us that. Fuck you. Um, they, okay, I lost my point. <laughs> Damn it. Wow. It just disappeared. Like yeah, right I just did. I'm not even going to try to pretend I knew where I was going with it. <laughs> oh, and I'm not even drinking. That I'm sucks. Just- 
I'm not. I'm not even gonna jump in. I'm just gonna let you. See Jesus Christ! What was I saying? Well, they suck. SUW suck. Whatever. Yeah. Well, I I think it's. I think that if they're gonna keep trying to hide this stuff, that you can't. It's like. Uh, oh, sorry. Mystery. I, I, oh, go ahead. I just remembered. Uh, so they're not just happy with um, kind of hiding your or or suppressing information. They want to ruin the people that are putting that information out to make an example of them. So, I mean, it's it's not just, hey, I don't like what you're saying. Let's just try to ignore it or, or de-platform is a, is, a, is a friendly sounding word for just ignore or, or obfuscate, right? That's not their, that's not just what they do. They, they go further. They want to ruin people's lives. Well, there's two different things. I think they would prefer if they just hit it and people saw it go away. And I think one of the first examples that I saw of this was uh, Adam Baldwin you know, who really came out against Gamergate. And he's not one of the, he's not related to Alec Baldwin, by the way. Everybody right. keeps, keeps thinking he is. He's not a Baldwin brother. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to make a Serenity tie in here too. So he was on the TV show Firefly in the movie Serenity. He played Jane. Played Jane. Um, who was not trans. No. <laughs> uh, just a man named Jane. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, he had the th- he had a bunch of tweets. I mean, he was tweeting all the time, and all of a sudden, all but one of his tweets is gone, just gone. And people are saying, "Hey, where's your stuff on Twitter?" And he goes, "It's there." And they're like, "No, it's not." He was shadow banned. Yeah, and he thought it was there because he could see it. Yeah, so he was shadow banned. Yep. And so he came out and brought it up, and that's when they tried to ruin him, saying, "Well, you know, he's a sexist and a bigot, and blah blah blah." And and people are still going, "Yeah, but I like his stuff. So where'd it go?" And uh, and they went, well, he was, you know, he's a terrible person because of what he said about Gamergate and he's uh, pro-choice or pro-life and all this yeah, stuff. he's basically a right-wing guy. And he's funny. <clears throat> yeah. But which, which is a sin to left. Yeah. yeah. It can't be a funny conservative. So here's my tie-in. In the in the movie Serenity, um, there's a – is it Mr. Universe? Mm-hmm. He says, you can't stop the signal now. Signal goes everywhere. Or signal's everywhere. and Or I go everywhere the signal goes and signal's everywhere. Yep. And I, th- I think this is what it is. You don't have people with 300,000 followers like Joe Pags or 3 million followers like Tommy Robinson that when you hide their stuff, those people just go away. They don't just go away. Yeah. You know? Um, and, you know, the left talks about dead naming all the time. You know, you can't call, you can't call, um, Caitlyn Jenner Bruce because that's, that's dead naming. Well, yeah, they want to make that illegal. You're totally fucking hiding somebody else. Yeah, you know, you're just you're trying to make him go away. You're trying to erase him. So yeah, but I mean, with with Tommy and with some other even in America conservative figures, they are. I mean, it's not just the social media aspect; it's the it's the financial aspect of it. And that I have a real problem. Yeah. with. you know, so if- Chase Bank is a, a PayPal, Stripe. So those are payment processors. PayPal and Stripe are the two big payment processors. Um, for, for financial transactions online. And, and they are big time leftist organizations. They make no bones about it, really. Well, PayPal even came out and said they take advice from Southern Poverty Law Center. Yeah. Which is a hate group. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. And they're being sued left and right by people like Gavin McGinnis and, uh, Stephen Crowder, uh, settled. Who, uh, who with, was the one, uh, with them for, for, for slandering him? Who was the Muslim guy they had to settle to because they called him a terrorist or something like that? Uh, that's on the tip of my tongue, but yeah. And he's an anti-Islamic yeah, he, extremist. Yeah, he's, he's a Muslim guy that uh, – God, it's on the tip of my tongue. But he goes around – he's a British guy. Goes around basically – he wants to modernize Islam. And he talks about all he, – he's anti-terrorism and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it's a it's a name that's uh, it's, yeah, it's on the tip of my anyways. Uh, so t- yeah, t- Tommy his number one uh, offense is basically pointing out the the hypocrisy of the British government and the, and the lying of the British government and the Majid Nawaz. Yes, Majid Nawaz, and so. What he what he did the the biggest thing was the Muslim rape gangs that were grooming girls, young girls, British girls, and thousands of them for years, and the the media and the government knew, and they hid it. They didn't want people knowing about it, and that's where that's where Tommy kind of like exploded into the scene and said, "I'm not having this," and he went out on the street. He went. He went in, in, at, in people's faces. He went to the mosques with microphones and video cameras. And every step of the way, the media and the government figured out ways to try to shut him down. Mm-hmm. And, and they thought they had him. They thought they had him. And he came back even stronger. Can't stop the signal now. Yep. Which, again, I, I will say I'm, I'm still not, I'm still not totally uncomfortable or, yeah, I'm, I'm not uncomfortable with the idea of Facebook and stuff doing what they want on their own page. I don't necessarily like it, but I, you know. They've got too much fucking power. Maybe they do, but they have a right at this point to do it. I think it's wrong. I think they're too they, influential in politics. I, I think so, too. But, I, you know, if I'm going to hold to my principles, it's their page. they got a right to do it. I feel differently when it comes to, you know, Chase Bank and PayPal and all that stuff. No, you have you we live in a capitalist country. You have They are to, not committing crimes. You have to process those payments. Yep. It's you know, and people say, Well, geez, in your business, if somebody comes in and says, um, you know, if if uh you have a right to refuse service to anybody if you want, well I do and I don't. I mean, if somebody comes in and I say, you know, you I'm not taking your money, um does PayPal not take the money of somebody who got out of prison for child abuse? I bet they do. I bet they process that money. Right. There's – I believe there are – and I can't cite them right off the top of my head. There are uh, federal laws in when it comes to commerce that say you can't discriminate like that. You know, if, if someone comes into my business and is disruptive and I think they're going to be a problem for me, I can refuse their service. Or they, I can refuse them service. Yeah. If they come in and I just say, I don't like them, um, I start to have another issue that becomes difficult to defend. I can, I can win, but, you know, now if we're talking about this is, uh, this is a person of color or some, anything that might make them stick out from me, um, as a self-identifying white male, <laughs> cis male, sorry. Uh, and it's not just what I am. It's how I identify. Uh, a, a sissy male? No, that's uh, Meadows from the uh. last podcast. Um, at, but you almost made me cry there. <laughs> so, uh, but the question becomes, why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't you just want to take the money? You know? Because it seems to me that a lot of these um, these social justice warrior types are very diehard in the wool they they are for their political ide- ideology above profit. Okay, so let me let me attack this another way. Okay, uh, thinking about this like a prosecuting attorney, you being PayPal or Chase or Stripe or anything, 
why don't you want to process that payment? Doesn't it behoove you to process the payment? Don't you make money from doing that? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So you make money, right? And the reason, and the reason you chose not to do it is you have a, some personal beef with them. Ideologically, they're not committing a crime. You just don't like them. Yeah. Wrong thing. Okay. So for reasons you can't really name that aren't illegal, they aren't committing a crime against your own best interests. You've chosen to to not process their payment. You don't. You won't do business with them. Yeah. Okay. Couldn't that be that you're do, you're trying to do that out of spite? In other words, you're trying to cause them financial harm. No, my principles. Yeah, exactly. But you see where I'm going with yeah. this? It's not. Look, I think you're going to be a problem for my business. You come into my restaurant, my hotel, my coffee shop, my store. You want to buy something, and I think you're disruptive and you're going to cause a problem and chase other you know chase other people away or you're going to damage the place you're going to do something that's detrimental to my business i guess one argument i have for that exactly well, hold on okay. let me finish is that you i have every right to to take you know to not take your business but if you walk into starbucks okay and you've got your trump hat on and I've got a Hillary 2020 hat on and they hand me my coffee and they look at you and say, get the fuck out of here. You know, technically they have a right to do that because they're a regular business. But you have other places you can go get coffee. Yeah. If they're the only place that has coffee, why are they denying you that? There's no, there's no harm to them in doing it. There is benefit to them in doing it, and so they have to admit that the only reason is, is to deprive you of something. And I think that becomes very hard to defend. I'm thinking there's another uh, another angle that they can take on this, and that would be that, okay, in your instance of the person with the MAGA hat on, they being their presence in the store could be a disruption based on the other customers that are um, – put off by it and they may lose business based on that or they may have a scene there may great. be a great there may be a, a riot hey great make that point prove it okay prove and it and then the same with the with the other with the bigger issue with the social justice um working on the um deplatforming and the pay and the and the payment process just saying hey yeah this person isn't affecting me directly um negatively but his presence on my platform is going to spark a a backlash by the other consumers that are going to rise up and do some sort of great, um, um, some sort of a boycott or, or good point. Yeah. Prove it. But that's, that could be an argument that they're going to make. No, they got to prove it. Yeah. They have to prove it. And well, this they is, could, they could prove, you know, how nope, they could, they can't, how can they not? Because there, isn't there a, a, a there, there's probably a untold number of the leftists that will brigade that will go after them and say, you keep this person on your site you keep this person doing business and we will, we will riot or no, we will we're, we're talking about protest. two different things. All right. Okay. We're talking about Chase or PayPal or Stripe pre- preemptively doing this. Okay. They're saying, cause if we don't, yeah, people are going to brigade us. Well, they haven't. Okay. Nobody said That's, a thing. Yeah, yeah. And if they say people did, so we kicked them off, you know, we told them we won't process their payment. They can at least show some harm, but you have to have, you have to be able to show harm in this kind of thing. That's that's part of the law. Yeah. You can't just go, 
you can sue anyone for anything. You know, you, you you say, geez, they opened themselves to a lawsuit. No, you are open to a lawsuit at any point. Anyone, I can sue you because I don't like your hat. But we get to court and they say, all right, so show me where the harm is. And I say, well, I didn't like his hat. And I go, well, what happened? Well, it could have caused a scene, but it didn't. You know, it caused heart palpitations. Yeah, and they go too I bad. Could have died. Too bad. He's got freedom of speech. Yeah. You can say it. So, well, I for me the financial part is totally different. It, it, it is different, but it does tie in. Like uh, going back to the uh, Veritas um, with the uh, Facebook, um, they're like like they were even saying they ramp they ramp it up closer to elections, and talk the the left and the Democrats are always talking about. The the Russians are trying to influence our our elections, and we can't have that. We can't have a an outside source or having somebody influence our our elect, try to influence our elections. Well, that's exactly what these fuckers are doing. Who gave them the fucking right to do that? Yeah, no, I get it. The difference in that example is, I'll say, the Russians are trying to influence it with our platform versus us having a platform that we get to say what we want. But it's not us. That's I mean, that's the other. So. Russia is an outside force influencing the elections, that, but they've actually literally outside the country. But this, these tech companies are an outside force. They're not the people that are unduly trying to influence elections. No, but they're a corporation, and corporations have been defined by the Supreme Court as people, especially when it comes to political. Okay, uh, but they, but they still, okay, through yeah. So they're saying because of that, they can give uh, donations to. Um, to PACs and to uh, candidates, right? Um, but they still can't. They is there isn't there laws saying you can't? There's certain things you can't do to influence an election. I don't. Maybe maybe I'm well. I going mean, up the wrong tree you here. Do, yeah, you're going up the wrong tree. Look, Benjamin Franklin has a great quote. It, it's been uh, re uh, reworded, but it's four shits on the back of reason. Basically, yeah. might might makes right. If they're big and they own the platform, if your bullhorn is bigger, you get to yell. And that's why you get to say – they get to say stuff like learn to code. But, yeah, there's – political dissidents are trampled down in other countries. They're, they're, made, they're made so that they can't speak out. They're punished. And that's seen as wrong and a bad thing, especially in a democracy, in a republic, right? Mm-hmm. But it's happening here. Yeah. It's just companies doing it. Yeah, and I can't remember who said this. Um, it might have been someone on Rogan's podcast, although I don't think it is. Um, they were saying that when you get revolution, it's when you uh, when you feel when somebody feels like their voice is being taken away. Yeah, and we're on that road. That's sort of where we're headed. Now, I don't think it's going to be you know civil war. A or hot war. I don't think it's going to be anything like that. But I think – and Thomas Jefferson is a great quote too. He says um, – I'm totally screwing it up now. Uh, every once in a while um, – well, basically he's saying that you know you have to have bloody revolution every once in a while. Oh, oh, the, he, what, the tree he, of liberty has to be watered by the blood of uh, patriots and yeah, tyrants. Is that what yeah. it was? And yeah. it was – he's not necessarily saying you know you have to fight a war all the time that results in death and everything. But people need to shed – Shed blood, whether it's literally or figuratively. And I they think, have to have skin in the game. I think right now that, um, 
you know, the fact that we're starting to see a lot of pushback against the IT companies, you know, these social media companies. Well, you were telling me that they had a poll or some, somewhere had a poll where they're Tim, saying 51% of Tim the Poole people in said, IT are saying and, they're going too far. And Tim is, to be honest, Tim's a source I trust more than anybody right now just because he usually has his stuff locked down. And he, I can't remember he his source. He also admits when he's wrong, too. Yeah. I can't remember what his source was. Um, but he said, and it might have, there were a couple Tim, Tim Pool videos I was looking at, and it might have been sourced by Breitbart, which he said, you know, is a biased site. Right. But I don't think this was it. Maybe it was. But the point was that 51% of people polled in uh, social media companies were saying they disagree with how this deplatforming is being done. A lot of those people are on the left, and they're just saying, "I don't, I don't like the way this is going." I don't, I don't. well, because they're smart enough to smart enough to see that that uh, pretty soon it's going to turn on them too, because they're already starting to eat their own. Oh, absolutely. So, and that's you know that sort of segues into this thing I want to get to about Kamala Harris. But again, this is why I want these people to talk. I want people I disagree with. I want people with stupid fucking ideas to have every right in the world to speak. But I also want the other side to be able to respond. Right. But sometimes your opponent's just saying stupid stuff, you know, helps. And I, I think you it counter was, a bad idea with a good idea. So, yes, right. I know what you're saying. Yes. But I also think um, it, it, this is funny. I think you know Jimmy Johnson, the football coach at one point, was taking an adaptation of something from Sun Tzu about war. And Jimmy Johnson was applying it to a game. I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. It was don't so, oh. don't get in the way if you're a uh, don't get in the way of your opponent trying to lose. You know, in other words, yeah, if, <laughs> that is a good question. If your enemy is losing, don't don't stop that. Let them lose. Yeah, Sun, Sun Tzu wrote the Art of War. Yeah, and uh, it's it's got some pretty good stuff it's in it. Great book. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, so talking about them eating their own, mm-hmm. uh, Kamala Harris, or Kamala Harris, oh, or almost said it right. Kamala, 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 Kamala. Comicum chameleon. I didn't want to go there. <laughs> She's the media darling for president. And to be honest, and we mentioned a couple podcasts ago, she was the one I kind of worried about. Mm-hmm. But uh, so she she jumped on the Jesse Smollett thing, said this was a lynching. So that'll come back to get her. Not too bad, though. I think that'll get swept under the rug after a while. She doesn't uh, she doesn't Spartacus it like uh, Cory Booker does because mm-hmm. you know he feels so hard. Yeah, well, he's yeah. so very hard. He needs everyone to understand that he feels hard. Um, she's more reserved. I think she's smarter than he is. Yeah, and so she came out and said, and she did the whole thing about listening to Tupac and Snoop, Snoop Dogg before they. Yeah, when she was in college, but they were not even recording at that point. Yeah. But she, she'd smoke some dope and listen to them because she's down with the, she's yeah. down with the black folk. Six to eight or five to seven years before she's, they even. She's just like, she's just like one of them. Yeah. Wait, wait, she is one of them. No, she's not. No, she is. Oh, she smoked she is. the doobies and she listened to Tupac. And she inhaled. Yeah. So she said, and Booker jumped on this and so did, uh, uh, Focahontas. <laughs> uh, they they jumped on this whole deal of reparations. Now they didn't come right out and say what that meant, but they said, you know, somehow we've got to make this up because we all have to realize we don't start from the same place, which is everybody understands that. You don't start from the same place. Nobody guaranteed you'd start from the same place. You know, it's all men are created equal, not all men are created equal footing with equal results. 
Well, and then a lot of these people didn't start in the same place because they're living in democratic cities <laughs> that are run no. by Democrats and have been run by Democrats for generations. No so shit. That's why they have an unequal footing. It's not not because of uh, unrelenting racism from from white folk and the right. It's because they're in areas that keep them in poverty because of bad policy. Yeah. Pure and simple. Well, Thomas Sowell had a thing about uh, equal opportunity. He said, I had every opportunity – to be the uh, to be an NBA player, just like Michael Jordan, he goes. I have every opportunity. He goes, but I'm not guaranteed. He I goes, didn't have the ability. Yeah, I didn't have yeah. the ability. You know, look, and of course, this is just one example. But I started off way better than uh, Ben Carson did. You know, Ben Carson grew up with a single mom in a shitty area mm-hmm. and getting in fights and being a problem, and um, he went on to be like one of the greatest neuro uh, pediatric neurosurgeons in the country. I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. I, I just couldn't. Right? I don't have that ability. But I started way ahead of him. So this it's idea because that, you're not fierce. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a beast. You haven't so. you haven't been told enough that you're fierce because otherwise you would have been a brain surgeon, a pedi- yeah. pediatric brain surgeon. Yeah, exactly. If somebody had just told you, girl, you are fierce. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm not the one who identifies as a woman. So she comes out for these reparations and says we have to make this even and then it turns out you know it's a funny thing that her father who is a i believe a professor at stanford um had written an article earlier same one who told her not to talk about jamaican smoking because that was not a a bad stereotype it was not a stereotype he wanted reinforced uh he has come out proudly and said that his family he's jamaican his wife is indian so kamala harris is uh, mixed race, um, that he is descended from one of the greatest plantation and slave owners in Jamaica. Like his great grandfather had one of the biggest, and he was not proud that they owned slaves, but he was proud that he came from that. So Kamala Harris is descended from slave owners. That's beautiful. So this gets a little problematic for her. On top of other problematic things for her. Well, but I mean, that's just a big one right there. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump gets to sit there and say, you know, my family never owned slaves. Yeah. Most people can say that. Most people can say that. Yeah. We don't come from a long line of slave owners or or a a privileged part of society that that was able to own slaves. Not many of us are are in that boat. Yeah. So. So um, among these reparations, they're saying, you know, maybe we can make – uh, college loans easier for black kids to get. We do that already. Absolutely. That's not serving them. Maybe we make it easier for them to get into better universities. We do that, and that hasn't served them well. Maybe we make it easier for them to get uh, low-interest loans so they can buy homes. We, oh, we do it. We did that. And guess how that turned out? It didn't turn out well. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac housing bubble collapse. It was a fucking nightmare. So – my point is that no one can agree on what these reparations are, but there's a lot of people in the here reparations think it's just we're just going to write them checks. Um, that stuff never works. But the problem for her is she keeps running her mouth about this stuff, and now they've got no choice but to say, didn't, didn't your family own slaves? <laughs> they, they own slaves. I almost want they? her to be the nominee now for, for Trump because Trump ain't going to hold back on that. Oh, God, no. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. 
I mean, can you see him going like, you know, I'm standing up here arguing with her and she's just whipping me. Do you know how that works? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know how that works, right? <laughs> oh, uh, we were speaking about, uh, Tommy Robinson. Yeah. Um, I just found out that, uh, like five minutes ago, yeah, were you here then? Facebook banned, um, the third largest political page in the UK. That's what he had. But also Amazon just stopped selling his book on the Quran. And Amazon, I forgot, has been doing this too. They've been deplatforming people. Uh, his book in the Quran is basically what he did is he compiled the Quran in the order it's supposed to be. So chronologically. So the, the, the thing about the Quran is that the, anything later in life that Muhammad did or said supersedes anything prior. And so if it, if there's a contradiction, there is no contradiction because anything prior is, is no longer relevant. It's, it's whatever he had uh, said the most recent and that, but they, when in the Quran, they jump around, it's all over the place. So when they talk about, you know, it's a, the Quran, you know, talks about peace and love or this, that it, They'll point to a section and, and go, yeah, the, the the end of the book says this. Well, or the beginning of the book says this. Well, yeah, because that's superseded. I mean, what he said later in life is that it's basically war and submission. Yeah. You know, so so Tommy wrote it and and or got the Quran, translated it, and put it in the correct chronological order, so people could see for themselves what happened. He started all peace and love because he was not powerful. His religion or his followers, they were they were in in danger of being destroyed or wiped out so yeah it was all about getting along and then as he got more and more powerful became a warlord basically and then started enslaving people and raping you know taking child brides and raping women and uh you know killing the infidel and and that's the stuff that matters now and so Tommy robson put that book out and then ben affleck got mad yeah, and yelled at Sam Harris about it's it. It's gross. Yeah, it's just gross. It's racist. But but that it's a good book to have to to say this is this is okay when you talk about the Quran. This is how you have to read it. And then Ben uh, um, Ben Affleck got mad and called Jeff Bezos, and he got off his mistress. There we go. <laughs> and he had the uh, book banned. But here's the thing: there's there's nothing in, so much. There's nothing in that book that's bigoted per se, or that says Muslims suck. Or, you know, even though, even if it did, who cares? It's not saying go kill Muslims. And Tommy has never done that. And that's another thing these fuckers do is they always, when they have their little statements out, well, why did you do this? Why are you deplatforming him off? They said, well, you know, Tommy Robinson is known as a, you know, he's a racist and he's a bigot and he says hateful things and blah, blah, blah. And you go, uh, I did not see any quotes. I don't see any proof. Where the, is it? The best one of those was when Twitter banned Gavin. For good. And they said, you have been be- banned because. And then blank. it was just blank. <laughs> but that, that infuriates me that but they you know, can even put out a statement and then they can claim all this shit. Nothing to back it up. Never a statement to back anything up because he didn't say or do anything that was uh, hateful or called for violence. But they'll but, – and then another thing they'll do is they'll go, well, his followers do. Well, fuck you. I'm sure they do. Everybody, anybody can claim that they're a follower of somebody. Uh, uh, I can say that I'm, I can go murder somebody and say, yeah, I was inspired by the Beatles. Well, a guy who, uh, thanks, Charles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a guy who, um, followed Bernie Sanders went to a Republican, uh, base, congressional baseball practice yeah. they, and tried to kill people. Yeah. So is Bernie Sanders responsible for that guy? No. No. 
And, and that's unless, what the right unless, says. Unless Bernie stood, stood, stood right and, and somehow said directly, hey, Republicans need to die. Right. And if he comes out and go, if the guy comes out and goes, Bernie Sanders told me to do this, and Bernie Sanders goes, I didn't tell him to do this. Where did I? And the right will say, Yeah, that's bullshit. We know. Yeah. We know you didn't do it. Yeah. But if somebody does that uh, with Trump, they go, Well, see? Well, he's dog whistling. Yeah. Well, yeah. we had that happen at a high school here in. Minnesota, right after Trump got elected, somebody wrote, you know, anti-gay slurs in a kid's – in a high school bathroom. And they said, see, they attributed Trump on it. And you're like, did they? Did yeah. they really? Did – you know, how do we know somebody – how do we know it's not a fake hate thing? Yeah. But to finish up on the Kamala Harris thing. Yeah, sorry to go back. I just – I just that yeah. I mean, do you want to call back to stuff from like episode thirty eight? <laughs> I want to stop paying attention to what you're talking about. Do you want to just? I mean, if we're just going to do callbacks to previous episodes, let I'm me know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, she uh, well, unlike you, I won't lose where I was going. She is uh, the person I feared the most when it came to running against Trump. She's a woman, and she's got a lot of buzz behind her, and she's from California, and I mean, she's actually she's actually intelligent. Um, but she can't stop stepping in it either. No. You know, they just can't do it. Oh, and part of Elizabeth Warren's uh, reparations thing was we should include uh, Native American people. Oh, too. <laughs> Native American people who receive more money from the government. Yeah. Just about anybody else. Enough with the thinking money, throwing other people's money at something is going to fix a problem. I have always wanted to see a commercial on TV for like a, like a home, some sort of home repair thing, like a, um, like a furnace company or something where the guy goes, okay, cool. I'll take a look at the furnace and goes down there and opens a bag. You know, he's got like his, uh, repair uniform on from whatever company and the homeowner standing there. And all he's got in the bag is a bunch of money. And he just starts throwing it, <laughs> throwing it at the thing. And the homeowner goes, what are you doing? He goes, Oh, this will fix it. <laughs> that's, that's just funny, yeah. throw, throw yep. a pile of money at the thing. Like the furnace is not working. He's just hitting it with money. Yep. Um, yeah. What, what would, what would actually help, um, people as opposed money throwing money at them reparations would be to stop race baiting stop uh, um, promoting victim mentality stop vote uh, promoting envy politics that that would get people in a better place way faster well it, it would actually get people to a better place not even faster it, it would do it period as opposed to throwing money at something which wouldn't do any of that well I uh, I just recently heard on a local radio program, and I don't have the study, so I can't cite it. I apologize for that. If I look for it, I can find it. Um, but that showed that this diversity training that they're doing at uh, a lot of companies is actually causing more divide because it's reinforcing stereotypes. So people who uh, are white did not have a problem with minorities – until until they started pointing out all this stuff, and they said, and they would say like, "Well, they do this privilege march thing." Yeah, so the white people start getting resentful. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and they're like, "You know what? I didn't have a problem with this, but now I'm kind of pissed off that I had to go through this because this whole thing was meant to shame me." Yeah, you know. Yep. yep. And so the next time a black person comes up and says, "Well, you know that thing happened," it's probably because I'm black. That person goes, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Yeah. You know where you they fuck right off, dude. Yeah. And before before the diversity training or the or the mandated. Uh, a sensitivity training, they'd have been like, oh, dude, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. What can I do to help? <laughs> yeah. And now they're just like, oh, I've, Jesus, again with I've, that? I've said this before, though. It's almost like they want to create that that boogeyman. 
because there isn't one. They want to they want to somehow create that boogeyman in order to like Jesse Smollett just desperately. Well, did you hear about the latest uh, uh, tranny that uh, burned down his own house? Uh, you can't say that. You can't say burn down a house. Okay, I was gonna say it because I actually don't know what he identified if he or she identified. It was. It, it was. It looked like a dude with tits. So it is a. It is a female transition to a man. Okay. In Michigan, I believe. So a uh, butch dyke. Yeah. Who okay. was? Uh, who and it was not. It was not. I'll say his house it was not his house. It was a house he was renting. But it killed all of his pets. Yeah. yeah. So think about this. And he was a, per, a citizen of the year prior to that. Yeah. The, city. the trans. And then they find out. Here's the thing. Here's the kicker. They find out that he did this and claimed it was a, a hate crime and all that. And then it was, you know, he find out he did it. You know why he did it? Because he didn't think that. The, yeah. So they had a uh, gay pride march yeah. or a LGBTQ event. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was no controversy. Yeah, there was no right wing outrage. Yeah. There was no nobody had a problem show with it. There was no protest against it. They just went out and, and had, it didn't, the, had a gay old time. It didn't have a huge turnout, yeah. so it wasn't like this huge event, and nobody had a problem with it. So he created this whole thing, burned down a house he was renting with his partner, and killed like their two German shepherds and a couple of cats yeah. and stuff to gin up. Collected sixty thousand dollars in GoFundMe. Yeah. You know. Those kind of people are bad people. Oh, yeah. They need to, I mean, that person needs to be locked up for a long fucking time. But there are people who will say, well, that hate crime, you know, yeah, but all they were doing was really um, showing what's what's really happening. Oh, yeah, it was Dr. Phil. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And he said those people will pivot and say, um, yes, but this is, he said, psychologically, they will do a reputation. They will do a um, – they'll say, well, this is kind of a representation of what I go through all the time. So this wasn't real, but it's an example of what I have to deal with all the time. Yeah. So, yes, I made this, but I made this example that really shows you. And so a person like Jesse Smollett, they mentioned him specifically as saying, right, okay, maybe I wasn't attacked, but I get attacked all the time for being black and gay. Well, what's, so. the, what's the actress that, I, that pissed me off about? She came out and she did an interview – um, she's, uh, you realize the actress that pissed you off is not, uh, she's, she's gay. She, uh, she was Ellen in, page. Okay. Ellen page came out and she did this very, very somber and impassioned thing about how connect the dots. And it's it because wasn't Trump's somber and passionate. It was delusional, yeah, but she just looked so fucking just, I mean, it was weird. And she was like, it was almost like she was acting like, like auditioning for a role. Yeah, Somebody she was. who was outraged, but, uh, you connect the dots this, in this kind of thing when these people want power and basically talking about Trump's America. Because right? Trump. And then come to find out finally, she made a statement after finally, uh, about Smollett. No apology. No, no. that there's, there's, there's inequality in the world. And this pointed out basically exactly what you were saying, what Dr. Phil. Yeah. So. And why should they? You know, it's funny. Uh, um, Dr. Phil, a lot of people don't know this. The reason he came to um, his claim to fame was Oprah was being sued by um, the uh, – it was either the Texas Cattlemen's or the Texas um, Beef Association or whatever it was for saying you shouldn't eat meat, it's bad for you or whatever. And so he was the – his company was the one they hired to prep her for her testimony and everything. Hmm. So they – that's what he used to do. And so Joe Rogan was saying, how do you tell when someone's lying? 
And he goes, oh, they say stuff like, and he was naming all the stuff that Jesse Smollett did. He goes, they will say things like, you know, my hand to God. He goes, they bring, they bring in the deity. Or they'll say something like, you know me. You know me. I don't. <laughs> and he goes, if you accuse a righteously innocent person of something, you did that. He goes, the, you talk at about 200 to 250 words a minute. You think at about 1200. He goes, if you have to think about saying no more than five seconds, you're lying. Huh. He says, so when they say, did you do this thing? And people are like, ah, uh, you know, he says, what you're trying to do is say, uh, can you, could you think of a scenario where someone might have seen you? Yeah. You're, tr- you know, you're trying and to he, put it all together. That's and he not- said, so they cognitively overload these people. And, uh, Joe goes, uh, he goes, what does that mean? He says, well, we'll say, uh, you know that money that got stolen? Is there any reason that someone would have said they saw you by that money? And <laughs> he goes, tactic, yeah. an innocent person will go, no, I wasn't there. Yeah. And he goes, the guilty person goes, oh, oh what did I miss? <laughs> uh, they're thinking, is, it the, is there a scenario where yeah. someone, could I have been? Yeah. Did I, I miss something? Is there yeah, something? I, I got to think about was this. Was there a yeah. camera? Uh, and they'll just go, well, I... I, I don't know why. No, I, I don't know why that would be. Yeah. And so Joe goes, he says, uh, are you ever concerned that you're helping people to lie by doing this? And he goes, no, because you can't hide this stuff. It's, it's, it takes a lot of practice. He goes, there are so many physical symptoms that you can't hide. Yeah. They're it, just there. Yeah, it, it'll come out. You, you, it takes so much practice not to do that kind of stuff. Well, he said there's just there's things you can't do. And one of the things I heard a long time ago was um, – and I, I'm getting these mixed up. If you're lying, you look up into the left. I think it's up into the right. Oh, okay. I, I might have, yeah, I might and have I, it backwards too. I thought it was up into the left. And if, well, it if might be. If you, if you have an actual memory, you look up and to the left or yeah, to the you right. look one of the directions but if because you're lying, that's the part you go, of your brain. Yeah. That's the part of your brain you access. So you'd be like, oh. That's funny you brought that up because I was thinking that's your. Talking. But I, I think up into the left is telling the truth. Okay, but, it could be. But yeah. whatever. Um, that's why you're always looking up into the right. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was really interesting, but he was talking about this whole thing about how they will, they will pivot and say, well, you know me. And, uh, he said, you know, he's doing all this stuff and, hmm. you know, he's, he's, he's lying, yeah. but I think it's funny that they think they have to create these things to prove it Yeah, and it's bullshit. Well, yeah, all it does is take away from it. And I'm, so the things they're trying to reinforce, the diversity training and all that stuff, and the, you know, the, the hate crimes by faking them, all it's doing is making more people go, and, bullshit. And most people understand at this point, the every bit of uh, hate crime that's been tried, they tried to link to MAGA, to yeah. President Trump, has been f- fake. So, you know, this is, it's getting, it's getting to be ridiculous. Well, and what I don't get is, you know, if if black people or Asian people or white people want to hang out with each other, why does that matter? You know, I mean, by nature, I think we're tribal. Yeah. And I think if, uh, you know, people in general want to hang out with people who are like them. In, in various ways. In and, mental. Yeah, it doesn't and, have and, to be, it doesn't have to be yeah. racial, it, you know. In, in mental, in, in physical, in outlook, everything. I think that's sort of why I've always been amazed at heterosexual women's fascination with gay guys. You know? Oh, I just, I love hanging out. I dated this girl one time. She goes, I really want a gay guy friend. 
And I'm like, why? She goes, I just think it would be so awesome. Well, you know, part of that is that women hate each other. Yeah, it could be. But, uh, you know, there's cliques. There's people that hang out like goths hang out together because they have a certain look that they, that they yeah. identify with. Um, that's not racial, but it is based on physical appearance but, and, and outlook and right. kind of a culture. So there's, everything's tied together. But there's this idea that if people of similar, you know, whatever, similar interests, similar appearance, similar whatever, want to hang out together, that somehow that's bad. Why? And they say, well, it excludes the others. No, they didn't exclude them. They didn't actively say, well, you can't hang out with us because you're, you're the black guy, you yeah. know? No. Or the just, black guy or a black, a black church saying we're not going to allow you in because you're a white guy. Yeah. That's not, that's not what, what's happening. No. It's because of culturally there's, there's something uh, I, I've been to, um, and, and I don't, there's different types of black churches, but I, I had when I was growing up, my best friend was a black guy and I went to his church once, once it wasn't for me because I was used to being, you know, growing up in Minnesota in a, in a, a Lutheran background, not, you know, not hardcore religious, but Lutheran. I went to the Bibles or, you know, to Bible school for a little while and all that. And, uh, um, you found out it burned when you touched, but, you know, the German stock, you know, the, the stoic German stock basically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's not, nothing's outrageous. You don't, uh, it's very stoic. So you go to this, go to a black church and it's, it's just craziness. And from my perspective, I'm like, I was profoundly uncomfortable because this isn't how you act. See, I had a different experience. I, I grew up Catholic and it was yeah. very, you know, you have, I had a problem with Lutheran services because I mean, a Catholic service is like, wasn't well, it regimented? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, here's how we're going to mm-hmm. do it. We say the same stuff. Yeah. The only thing that's really ever different is the sermon, you know? Um, and people, it's funny. I always thought the Catholic stuff was weird. Because I saw the first time I ever There's saw There's a lot of pomp and circumstance. Yeah, the here. first time I ever saw a representation of it was in Planet of the Apes. Um that underground like cult that grew out of the thing where they were they were basically mimicking um a lot of the the elements of uh Catholicism. Yeah, they, I, don't, I and, don't know. Well about I watched it, I'm like, God, that's so fucking weird and, and somebody said, Well that's the that's what Catholics do. And I'm like, No, no way. And like, watch a Catholic mass. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, Catholic Catholic stuff is fairly regimented. And then I would go to uh, my wife's church and, um, and I mean, I went to a, I went to a Lutheran college, but I didn't go to church. Um, so I go to my wife's church with her and they play a bunch of music at the beginning. Lutherans do like a bunch of songs and stuff. And then they, uh, you know, do some readings and there's no stand up, kneel, you know, do all this stuff. And then they sort of have a sermon and then they kind of go, yeah, that's cool. And everybody quietly gets up and leaves. Yeah. And Catholics, it was like, I was one of those bad Catholics where you like go up for communion. Well, that was the other thing. Lutherans don't have communion nope. every week. Catholics do. So we'd go up and you do the, you get, you know, you receive the host and everything. And then you just go right on out the back. <laughs> you miss 10 minutes of it or whatever. We got to beat the traffic. You know? Yeah. But I went to a, uh, I think it was a Baptist church in Minneapolis that was, uh, I mean, mostly black. The the lead pastor was white, but the assistant pastor – and the lead pastor wasn't that great. His sermon was okay, but the junior pastor was really good. And it was uh, – I mean, the there were – there was this one guy doing the drums, but he always had – he also had like the little shaken – not a tambourine, but like the little – Yeah, it's like almost like a maraca with the things around it that rattle. No, it was like the – it was almost like the uh, rain sticks. Oh, know, yeah. The small yeah, – yeah. so, 
that guy was so into the music and I was like, this is really cool. And then, well, one of the guys is doing this sermon. They had about these six women up front and were like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh. And I was like, yes, they're into this. It was cool. I loved it. Yeah, that wasn't, but that's, I think that's what it was for me. It was a very, a very, um, a gregarious thing where, and then they also pointed me out, which really got to me. So. Oh, really? Yeah, they go, oh, we, we got a, we got a, a, a new person in here, a new person in the flock today. Stand up, young man. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> That's the last thing a kid wants to, you know, uh, uh but they were welcoming. Nine, they? Yeah, well, it was, but, but it also felt like, uh, it, it almost felt like judgment. You know, it's like, I don't know if my perception was off because I was, you know, a kid. So yeah. who knows? And I felt out of place, obviously. Um, and you know, cause I'm not, you're not used to being in, you're used to being in a, from Minnesota, being in a crowd in a Lutheran church full of white people. Let's put it bluntly. And then you're in a race yeah, and you're in a church full of black people and you're the only white kid there that you can see or know. And then you get told to stand up and, and everybody's eyes are on you. And some of them are like, mm-hmm. With that look on their face, like, who is this? And then the other one's like, oh, you know, smiling, whatever. But you don't, you, you, you're deeply uncomfortable at that point just by being pointed out, by being singled out. But then you're the, you're the sore thumb sticking out at that point too. Cause you're the only like, it's, it's, it's profoundly unsettling. So yeah, you can't blame a kid for going, yeah, that's not for me. Yeah. But then those other kids would be, be like, oh, this is awesome. Everybody's having a good time and they're happy and I'm into it. But that's depends on, on how you're raised in your background. It's not a, a racist thing. It's cultural. That's all it is. If I'd have been in a church with a bunch of Southern Baptists that are a bunch of white people and, uh, you know, speaking in tongues and shit, I'd have been freaked out by that too. And it would yeah. have been white people. So it's just, it's just cultural. You know, it's funny on the way, uh, the way over here, I stopped at a convenience store and, um, there were, as I was pulling up, and it was a busy convenience store, but as I was pulling up, there were three black kids. I mean, kids. 16 to 25, you know, somewhere in that range. I don't know. Three of them pile out of this car and start walking in. And I will, I will not apologize at all for saying I thought they looked like trouble. I mean, we're talking do-rags, pant pants uh down below their balls mm-hmm. i mean it's like why are you so even... wa- water walking with yeah, like, what, the holding even... them up with the holding up the, the front with their hand kind yeah, of thing why yeah. are you even wearing pants yeah you know what's the point of having them down there and i just thought i honestly thought to myself if it was just me and those guys walking in there and it was late at night i'm not going in okay yeah. now there was a, a black guy behind the counter he didn't look like that at all and he was just i mean he acted like he knew these guys too I didn't have any problem with him. And it was funny when he gave me my money back for what I bought. I said, uh, gave me my change. I said, uh, he goes, you have a good day. I said, you too, sir. And he looked at me like, sir, you know, like I was, I was saying something to him that was respectful that he didn't expect, you know? Yeah. I I tend to say sir a lot to people. I say sir to everybody. I mean, especially in customer service stuff. I don't say ma'am a lot though, because some people don't like to get (laughs) ma'am. It's ma'am. <laughs> I don't know how we got on the subject, by the way. Well, just talking about the differences. But for me, coming in there, it wasn't that they were black, okay? Honest to God, if these had been three white kids looking like that, oh, yeah. I would not have gone in there because it's the way they carried themselves. They looked like they wanted to start shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I, I don't want to be any part of that. It had, It was not their skin color. It was the way they acted. Because the guy behind the counter, I didn't, who was probably about the same age, 
I didn't have any problem with him at all. Yeah, but being a white man, you don't understand hip-hop culture, and you're so privileged that, uh, you know, you thought they were a threat when really all they were was a, like a little um, little group of uh, troubadours or something. Like if it was a bunch of Hispanics, it would, guys walking in with sombreros and and, uh, and guitars and, uh, and horns, you'd have been just as threatened. I guarantee it. Sure. Because of your whiteness and your fragile privilege. <laughs> I don't, I'm running out of words. Well, you know, it's funny. There's another, there's a gas station I stop at almost every morning on my way into work and get, you know, a, a pop or something like that. And there's almost always Mexican construction guys in there who are like the nicest people ever. You know, if you're walking in behind them, they'll stop and open the door for you. And I'm like, dude, you don't have to do that. You know? Mm-hmm. And if you walk up in line and they're they're in front of you, they're just as likely as to say, hey, well, you go ahead and go first, you know? Yeah. They're super nice people, you know? And so it's not a matter of... But if you see a Hispanic guy with a teardrop tattoo and a uh, flannel shirt buttoned not, up at the top button... I'm not going in that fucking place. Yeah, you, you know, that's an that's he's projecting an attitude. He's projecting a culture at that point. Just like I think... If, you know, three Mexican guys are walking into a place like that, or a couple of Mexican guys, and a jacked up, you know, truck pulls up with four dude bras who pile out of it, wearing their caps backwards and talking shit, I'll bet you they're probably like, I don't know if I want to be here, you know? But if... But if it's Antifa, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm going in. I'm, but if it's I'm just, going in swinging. If it's just three or four, you know... uh you know, uh, weekend dads walking in the place. They're not going to be like, oh, I got to watch out for those white guys. They're going to watch out for the white guys who look like they're going to cause trouble. Yeah. It's not a race thing. It's an attitude and appearance thing. That's what it is. Yeah, it's what, what you're trying to project mm-hmm. with, with, with your with your body language and your dress. And if you're, if you're projecting an aura of fuck you, you know, there's people who aren't going to want to be around you. Yeah. And that's that whole thing. I mean, we get in this with the feminism stuff, this fierce feminism where men are just after a while going, oh, shut up. You know, yeah. stop it. Why do you Yeah, I appreciate strong women. Yeah. You don't have to sit there and say I'm a fucking fuck. Yeah. To prove that you're a strong woman. Because yeah. that doesn't. Just proves you're a bitch. <laughs> well, and there are guys who are dicks too. And yes, I can understand I why women don't want to be around them. But. but there's not a big men's movement out there saying uh, men are awesome. and Megtow. We don't want to get into MGTOW, do we? No, it's, it's too late for that right now. I just think it's... It, Men going their own way movement. Yeah. It's, it's. I find it silly. Also known as the pump and dump movement. Yeah. It's guys who don't want to be in relationships because of the way women are acting. So, yeah. Um, they can be just as douchey, too. So. But we're... We're running pretty late here, so all right. we had a couple other, other subjects. We'll just wait for the next uh, show, and I can get all riled up about them. Well, one that's kind of developing we need to talk about uh, on one of the new episodes. Um, it's just getting going here in Minnesota is the the Democrats who took over the House. And Minnesota is the only split legislature in the country. Um, is there The left is really pushing. They have the governorship and the House, not Senate. Uh, Senate by a slim margin is Republican, two seats. Yeah. They are really pushing gun control. I yeah. mean, hardcore. And uh, they want to make sweeping changes to it. It's not going to pass. Yeah, and and it's it's a slippery slope. It's once they get it going, they're going to keep going. It's not. There's no stopping. So, um, 
when you bring up people deride you for saying slippery slope bullshit, it's it's true. It's what happens, especially with the gun control stuff. You give them an inch, they take a mile. And we're not talking just universal background checks. We're talking like federal background checks and federal involvement in private sales. And- yeah, and then there's there there will be confiscation because they'll say that there'll be um, limitations on how many rounds you can your gun can hold, and if you have a magazine that can hold too many, then you are uh uh or illegally holding or have illegal weapons in your possession, you have to get rid of them. Right. And the scariest part of this whole thing is um, uh, just sort of their attitude toward it is that they have a red flag law they want to add. Again, this isn't going to pass. But if law enforcement or family members believe you're a threat, the government can just come and take your weapons. No due process. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, on that note, on that fun note, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, it's rooster at bread and circuses podcast.com or crow at bread and circuses podcast.com. And for those of you who have supported us to, uh, episode 50, we appreciate it. Uh, please like, share, do all that stuff. Um, we'd love to keep growing the channel. Uh, but you can also find us on Facebook at bread and circuses podcast.com and, uh, like and share there too. Happy 50th. See ya. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>